to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Look to the folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans when you need someone who understands the X's and O's of healthcare coverage. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Hi, everybody. I'm Amy Wells. So happy to have you here on the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast. Coach Mac, of course, is also here. Mac, how you doing? Doing good. This Steelers week. Now, this is a... Uh... It's always a special time, especially if the Titans goes all the way back to the AFC Central. Two very, very similar franchises in the fact that they are, you know, very well-run franchises, very solid and stable franchises as far as ownership and coaching staffs. And plus, it's they're two very similar. They play very similar brands of football. They're very physical teams. This has always been all the Steeler games I've ever been involved with. On the coaching side of it, have always been extremely, extremely physical. And most of the time, Amy, they've been very significant because uh, in the AFC Central, the Titans and the Steelers were, you know, were, were fighting for positioning. You know, along with the Ravens at the time. I mean, it was a it was a very, very real football division and now you know the, the way that the divisions are different still the Steelers and the Titans find themselves jockeying for positions this time of year for the playoffs so this is another one this will be real this will be live and in color there's something different about Steelers week especially when it comes in December when these games matter so much there's just a different vibe Mac right well you know what to expect I mean it, it's it's like two heavyweight fighters you know getting ready and they both know that they're both going to have to take some punches and they're going to have to deliver some punches this is this is this is never real pretty football when these two teams play this is down dirty gritty football and you just get ready for that and you've got to have a mindset going in all week to get ready for it and so that's why it feels different have you had renegades stuck in your head all week because I have it's yeah. My it's, brain right now. It, it's been it's been playing. It's been playing, but guess what? We're gonna hear it again. So just get used to it. I think that was the point. Before we move on to the Steelers, I want to talk about the Titans. They are coming off of a win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That makes them nine and four now, still leading the division, still the number two seed in the AFC. Mac, the Titans shut out the Jags. They didn't just beat them, they shut them out. The Jags scored no points. We know that's hard to do in the National Football League. We know how incredibly rare shutouts are. The Titans hadn't done it at Nissan Stadium since 2000. They hadn't done it in the regular season at all since 2018. So it's really hard to come by. Why is it so difficult to do? Because teams are so even. They really are. And plus, the kickers are so good in the league now. You basically have to cross the 50-yard line and get about 10 more yards. And it's in with it's in within most NFL kickers' range. So even if if you're boat racing somebody and they cross the and they cross the, the the 50, they can kick a field goal. So to be able to do that, and I think when you look at it, the field position as to where the only place that that uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars were able to get to, I mean, it was amazing how much the Titans really dominated the game, and you never really got the feeling that that game was ever in jeopardy. And it wasn't a complete runaway, but that has something to do with the way the Titans understood how they needed to play that game once they got the score separated. So it was a it, it was a big accomplishment, and especially as you say, coming off of the bye week, and we talked about earlier, you know, on this podcast last week, how important it was going to be after the bye to get our dudes back. Well, we saw some dudes back. You and I watch practice every every day that they practice. We saw more people at practice. They're able to practice now with more speed, which is something they have not been able to do because of the number of injuries. And so things are trending in the right direction. And we saw that, you know, with the ball game. It was a lot of fun. It really was. 
feels like the Titans football team again. It feels like they're back a little bit. Well, you've got your guys back out there, and and through no fault of anybody, you know, they, we didn't have all of our guys out there. And that's just this football team, when it's, when it's whole, you're never going to be healthy at this time of year. But when you're whole, then at least you've got a chance. And it, it was fun to see. They're going to get some more guys back, hopefully, as we go forward. You know, in the in the latter part of the of the season, but what they accomplished was big. You know, shutouts are big, and uh, you know, don't think we saw it at the end of the ball game there there at the stadium that as to when the the backups were in there playing at the end of the game, and you could see all the all the veterans and the starters on the sideline really cheering to preserve that shutout. And when they did, they were all really happy. Mac, your defensive coach, what did you see out of the Titans defense that they did especially well? Again, it goes back to they were able to rush with four people. And the thing that they also did coverage-wise, we had four interceptions in that game. Two of those interceptions came from just completely fooling the quarterback. They completely fooled him, and they were bogeying or disguising coverages early and then dropping out. And so the quarterback, you know, really didn't know whether he was foot or horseback once the ball was snapped. And he was looking and looking and seeing some really different things. And so all of those things you practice on and you want them to work in the ball game, but to work to create a takeaway is even more special. That's what they really did well. They really did well of, of, of formulating a game plan and then putting it into practice. And then when we had a chance to catch the ball, we caught it. And that's big. The Titans obviously winning that game, which is the ultimate goal. But on offense, there were some areas of improvement. What stuck out to you? To me, just having Julio Jones back is is a big thing, Amy, because he's what, you know, in the league we call a gravity receiver. He draws everybody to him, regardless of whether he's the main cog or not. He draws people to him. And when he draws people to him, then you've got other people that have got more space to work. And that that really helps a lot. And just by the fact that he had as many targets as he had and and with the four catches then you knew that he was back involved in the game I thought Mike Vrabel and his offensive staff were really smart they got him in they got him involved and then when it looked like the game was in hand they got him out because that's really what he needed he needed just to get a taste back needed to get up to speed then they got him out that's smart coaching one of the biggest moments of this football game was this call right here Lawrence has time throws Hyde makes the catch and is tackled by Brown with help from Roberson at the 41-yard line. It's a gain of six. That's more than help from Roberson. That was an amazing Ford over Rooster then, right in the middle of the road. Say that again? Ford over Rooster. You ever seen a Rooster run over by Ford pickup in the middle of the road? I can't say that I have. Well, now you have. That's what it looks like. Now, Coach Mack. What the heck is Ford over Rooster? It's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, you know, you grow up in Texas, you know, you know exactly. Every, I had so many people hit me up saying, "Boy, Mac, we love that. That's so great. We understood exactly what you're talking about." I'm a little shocked nobody else knew, but and Mike Keith didn't know, so I had to explain to him. You know, I mean, think of it a minute. If you ever grew up in the country or anywhere on a dirt road, and you're around homes that have chickens, and you understand chickens will stay in their yard, so you never you never hit a chicken in the road because they won't get out in the road they stay in their yard they're not looking to go anywhere a rooster a rooster's always on the move but roosters got an issue when they get in the middle of a road roosters cannot fly they can't fly and then they get confused out there and if you've got it everybody in texas drives forward pickups especially in the country and if you're driving a forward pickup and you're going real fast down a dirt road and you turn a corner and there's a rooster in the road well it, with a collision it's ford over rooster the ford wins every time 
And that and that's and that's what happened in that ball game. Anytime you get a major hit in football, it's forward over rooster. Go to any West Texas high school uh, practice, and you'll hear that's forward over rooster, son. So that's what happens. So that's a real thing that people say. Like that's a real. Yeah, saying. I don't make these things up. I for sure yeah. think you make. Yeah, some I'm of not these smart up. enough to make things up. I mean, I'm just repeating that. So that I mean, that came out of my mouth so quick because you know Mike Keith went, "Oh, what did that hit?" I said, "Forward over rooster." I had never heard you say that before. I actually consulted Keith Bullock, who has been in meeting rooms with you for years. Keith Bullock had never heard you say that before. He's heard so, me say a lot of other things. He's heard, He has indeed, and he said that he's got a notebook full of the greatest hits. They used to write them down in the meeting rooms when you My would players say would. When I would say it, they would write them down. At the end of the year, they said, Coach Mack, anything to add to this? <laughs> <laughs> they all kept their notebooks. Yeah, we're trying to find a copy. Keith Bullock is on it. We are trying to find someone who has their notebook full of Coach Mac sayings. Well, some of them probably need to run through the censor first before he starts publishing them. Well, I but mean, we're not going to publish them, but I do want to get my hands on it. Well, and, and I will say this. I said all of them. <laughs> I believe that you did. But that one might be an all-timer. And Mike Keith, props to him, he played it off so well because he stopped and went, Wait, what did you just say? <laughs> it, was per- it was perfect. It was perfect. And I explained it to him. And when I explained, people that were listening understood because I had so many people tell me, thanks for explaining that. We get it. <laughs> I'm going to use that. I guess I don't think about the general movement patterns of chickens and roosters very often. Well, you've got to have grown up in the country to see it or be around that to I see it. I have a neighbor who has chickens and, they don't and get a rooster. Yard. No. What, what do don't. the chickens do? They, they go right up to the edge of the road, but never, never into the road. Tr- yeah. That rooster, you can't keep a rooster pinned. Yeah, I don't know anything about that rooster, but I do hear him from time to time in the morning alerting me the sun is rising. Yeah, roosters are very territorial. Get out in the middle of the road, though, no match for a Ford bumper, really. They're mean, though. Brewsters. No, no match for a Ford bumper. That made my day. We had to bring it up because I was laughing on the sidelines to no one because I have headphones in. You know what I like about, Darren, when we're doing the game broadcast and you're down on the sideline, you can hear us. Yes. You can hear us, but nobody else can down there. And, and I'm sure some people think you're completely nuts sometimes because you're laughing really hard. Oh, I'm positive. I'm positive they do. So if you're in the stands and you're watching the sidelines and I am dying laughing it's because something funny was said on the broadcast the thing that's so great especially when we're at home because people have all their radios when we're at home and and you know when i start saying some coach mac things they'll turn around and look up into the booth (laughs) and start laughing it's fun all right let's talk about the pittsburgh steelers we are going on the road to pittsburgh in december it's gonna be chilly i think as of right now the high is like 36 yes so it is going to be a real pennsylvania winter mac the steelers are six and six and one which is an uncharacteristic up and down season for them what do you attribute that inconsistency to they've had some injuries i mean they've had injuries just like everybody else I mean, they've had injuries, and they've lost some. They've lost some close ball games that could have gone either way. And in a 17-game NFL season, unlike any of the other, you know, major sports, you don't have just a multitude of games to get things right in. And if some things go wrong, uh, you know, it counts as a loss, and then you have to move on. But you only get one chance. We are the only professional entity that the playoffs are one and done. 
Yeah. Know, there's no three out of five. There's no four out of seven in the National Football League. It's one and done. And that's the way most games are, too. That's why every game is so important. That's what has happened to them. They're getting all of their people back. If you read all the reports this week, they're getting all of their people back. So they will be ready. Plus, they have to win this football game as far as if you're talking from the Steelers aspect of it, to even stay in the hunt for the tournament, you know, at the end of the year. So, big game. How dangerous is it facing a team that has to win a game? Well, everybody has to win. I've never gone into a game. I've been in over 700 of them. I've never gone into a game saying, you know, I have to lose this one. You just, <laughs> you just don't do that. That's not the way it works in the National Football League. But you understand the importance of it. And, and it's important for the Titans, too. Very important. Because as we, get, as we go into the last month of the season, this is when you start to, to make things work for how you want to be in the postseason. So it's, that's why this game is, is a big game. This game is going to be seen by most of the country. This is a big game. When you think about the Steelers, and you mentioned this earlier, Mac, that we expect a, a, just a slugfest. That's what you it would be. Think about defensive football. What are the Steelers doing so well this year in that regard on defense? Well, they're 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 putting immense pressure on on quarterbacks. T.J. Watts got 16 sacks, even more pressures than that. I mean, their 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 defense is always good. And 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 what and what they have going on. I mean, that's that's a history there. You know, going clear back the the steel curtain with Joe Green and his group. They started it, and then it's that that's been a staple for Pittsburgh football teams from now on. Is is the run game and defense, and and they're holding their end of the bargain up this year. They can really put a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on a throwing game. They've been a little bit lax this this year in run defense because of their injuries in the cylinder. You know where they've been playing. So we'll see. On the offensive side of the ball for the Steelers, all roads go through Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger. What do the Titans need to do to keep him from being as effective? Well, I mean, he's older now. So he is not, you know, he used to be, Ben Roethlisberger was a big quarterback that could run. And he could move and he could run over you. He could run away from you. Well, he's not that, he's not that anymore. You know, he's still a very good cylinder, pick you apart quarterback but he's not going to escape to the edges on you so what you have to do anytime we talk about the cylinder we're talking about that center guard triangle we've got to crush that big jeff has got to be a forklift you know this game he has got to just take his guy right straight back into roethlisberger's lap so he can't step up to throw it because he can still throw it and much different than from what they played against last week this is a veteran quarterback that understands how coverages are deployed well, we know that Big Jeff has the ability to just move human beings. He can do that. For Ben Roethlisberger, he's got a lot of weapons around him. Who are some of the guys that the Titans need to be looking out for? Well, I mean, Claypool's a really, really good player. You know, Fryermuth, their, their, their rookie tight end from Penn State, is a big-time player. Najee Harris, uh, another in a long line of really good Alabama running backs, is, is a danger not only running the inside zone, which is tackle to tackle inside of the you know of the of the five man line, but he's also he's 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 had over seventy targets this year, sixty catches. Uh, he's got extreme production after contact. So I mean, this guy is this guy is dangerous. He's got weapons, and he's got plenty of weapons. Their issue offensively this year, Amy, has been inconsistencies on the offensive line. Is the run game something that the Titans need to be super aware of on defense? You, know, you always have to play the run, and, and especially now. You just mentioned the weather. I mean, it, it's going to be cold. Chilly. St- both teams will be trying to spin it down the field, but both teams are going to hand the ball off quite a bit, and you don't ever want to get behind the chains when your opponents run the ball at you. 
Get the home field advantage with health care coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. We are joined by the legendary Joe Green. Now, you guys have quite the relationship together. You guys spent a lot of time together coaching. How did you, Coach Matt, get to meet Joe Green? That's a great story. And uh, when you, let me just say this, Amy. You know, the word legendary is thrown around a lot in our society. But when you're talking to and you're talking about Joe Green, it is so appropriate because – Legend doesn't even begin to describe really what he has meant to the National Football League. I mean, in, in, in all honesty. But I was at the Bears for 10 years. Joe, Joe had, had, had coached for Chuck Knoll, and then he had moved to coach for Don Shula, two pretty good yep. head coaches. Yep. Okay. And so then I was, I was the, uh, uh, hired as a defensive coordinator at the Arizona Cardinals after 10 years at the Bears, and we were looking for a defensive line coach. And I'm, I'm in my house, I'm still in Chicago, and I get a call. And uh, it's, he, he said, uh, Coach, is this Coach McGinnis? And I said, yes. He said, this is Don Shula. And I went, okay, who is this really? <laughs> I, 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 you know, I mean, seriously, who, he said, no, Coach, Don Shula, you know, I, I, I'm, getting ready, I'm getting ready to retire. He said, I understand that you've gotten the coordinator's job there at Arizona. He said, I've got a coach on my staff. I think that you would do well to interview and I said, sure, coach, who is it? And he said, uh, Joe Green. I went, Joe Green. I went, absolutely, please give me his number. <laughs> give me his number and right away. And so the head coach at the time was, was Vince Tobin. And I went to Vince Tobin. I said, Vince, I just got a call from Don Shula. And Joe Green might be interested in our D-line job. What do you think? He said, get a hold of him right now. So anyway, you know, I, I called Joe, and he came in, and he came in and interviewed. And of course, uh, it was a it was immediately a slam dunk, you know, not not only because of who he was as a player, but I mean, I I knew in, in talking with coaching circles, I mean, he has an insight to defensive line play that is second to none. And so, you know, we hired him, and he agreed to come on. And so I spent four years with Joe as his defensive coordinator, then four years as his head coach. And in that time, developed a very, very strong relationship, a good friendship. We went through some up times uh, there. We went, we went through some up times there. We went through some down times there. But the, uh, the, other, the, the thing that, that we always had going with each <laughs> other was – is that we always were able to persevere through it. And Joe has got Joe has got some real knowledge, you know, about the National Football League and what it takes to play, but he's also got some great stories. I told you for eight years he and I could sit around and chop it up pretty good. Joe, would you why don't you start with let's start clear back. Look, we're Texas guys. Let's start clear back at Dunbar High School in Temple, Texas. You're a senior coming out. Because of the way things were in the Southwest Conference, then you didn't have many opportunities there. But you did have an opportunity. Rod Rust was the head coach at North Texas, and you had an opportunity to go up there. Tell our listeners just about that recruiting trip. Well, uh, Coach, I, as you stated, you know, I, I was about 60 miles north of, of Austin, 30 miles uh, east of uh, A&M, 30 miles south of uh, – Baylor, 125 to 30 miles south of uh, TCU and SMU, and 140 miles south of North Texas. And the man who my mom worked for drove me up to North Texas. 
and uh, their offices were in this in the school building. And uh, we walked down to this building, and I came up to the front door and looked through to the offices, and it was like a, a window, a door with a small, probably a 10 by 12 window. And I looked through, and I saw the coaches, and uh, I told the guy that I was with, excuse me a minute, I went down to the uh, to the restroom, and what I, on the trip, what I was wearing was some, some jeans, denims, and sweatshirt, and they had the sleeves cut out. <laughs> And I went into the restroom and I did as many push-ups as I could do. It was probably about, about 15, 10 to 15. And doing so, I broke a sweat and, you know, whatever muscles I had started to swell a little bit. <laughs> and we walked up, walked back to the door and I knocked on the door and they said, come in. And when I came in, all the coaches, it was about 10 of them, stood up and said, you want a scholarship? You got it. <laughs> that was it. Hey, Joe, those push-ups worked, didn't they? Hey, they that, worked, man. That's, that's golly. One, that's one of the best. You're talking about a job interview. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the best recruiting visit stories I have ever heard. Well, they clearly made a really good decision now, Joe, because your history there is is is. Is, has been documented so well. You've got a statue there now. Did you ever think when you were doing those push-ups in that restroom that you would end up with a statue there? No way, no way, <laughs> Dave. No way, no way, no way. Oh, You know, Coach, when you were talking, you know, I, I started to smile a little bit. I'm going to tell you what came to mind. All right, let's hear it. You know how we were preparing for each team every week. Well, this particular week, we were trying to do something different in our goal line offense. Your head coach, my head coach, walked into the defensive line meeting room, and he got this defensive lineman, big time. He wants him to play fullback. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to lead the charge right up the middle where we got on the one-yard line. Oh, I know where this is going. And I said, oh, my goodness. I said, Dave, Dave, he can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> No, your exact, your exact words were, Dave, he can't stay on sides with the with the count. He can't do it, Coach. Tell him they can't do it. Go ahead. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, the coach, the head coach said, okay, we're going to do it. The situation came up. Oh, this no. defensive lineman went into the game, and the situation was right. Oh, no. They called the play. He went to the wrong direction. Oh, no. And the head coach put both hands on his head and he started screaming. And Dave looked at me, and I walked away. <laughs> and, you know, I remember that like it was yesterday because you had begged me all week, Coach, please don't let him do it. Just please tell him not to do it. The guy can't do it. He can't do it. He's either going to jump off sides or, and you did say, or he'll go the wrong way. And we practiced <laughs> oh it all week, goodness. and they went in. Practiced and all the week. We're both sitting there just watching that play, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the play's called, and the quarterback, Jake Plummer, opens to the left, <laughs> and our fullback goes to the right. And Jake's standing there, and all of a sudden, he and the running back collide, and they both get killed. And and so, Golly. Yeah, the head coach looked at me. He put his head, hand on his head, looked at me. I looked at you, and you just walked away. And you know what? We should have listened to you from the start. I mean, I, I did listen to you, but I, I couldn't trump it. No. No, I couldn't trump it. Couldn't trump the that call. That was so funny. That oh, was so funny. Oh, but my, pitiful. Oh, pitiful. Just, just, that, was, that was one of those oh, where we would go into goodness. the office afterwards and go, 
What in the world? I mean, what, <laughs> what in, the world? What the world? Anyway, <laughs> let, 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 let's forward a little bit now. You are taking as a first round pick. The push ups worked because you're taking as a yep. first round pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you were like I was, I grew up in West Texas. You grew up in East Texas. You had no yes. idea. You had no idea where Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania was. You sure had, didn't. No, sure. you had no idea where it was. And so the, <laughs> no. Steel, the Steelers pick you number one. And they're not good. People don't understand that, that, that back then the Steelers were not a good franchise. You no, know, they, they really were not. They, they were very bad. They were very bad. Tell the story about because you did. You held out. You held out. You held out for a little while. Tell us what happened when you first showed up and without any prerequisite or any hello, how are you doing? Chuck Noll didn't say anything. Put on full pads and went out to the field and then tell us what happened then, Joe Latrobe. Yes, when I came up to uh, sign my contract at Pittsburgh, Dan Rooney at the time from downtown Pittsburgh drove me to Latrobe, which was about 30 miles or so away. And uh, he took me right to uh, the equipment room <laughs> and our equipment manager gave me the uniform, the pants, helmet, jersey, and, and shoulder pads, walked me right down to the football field. Now, this was during lunchtime. <laughs> and during lunchtime in two days, everybody is done. Right. And yeah. when I walked down there and I met my defensive line coach down there, and it was the offensive line coach, and he had all the offensive linemen down there. And they kind of pissed because this is a <laughs> This is the nap time. Yeah, yeah this, cutting, is, this, is nap. this is the nap time. Your rookie here is cutting, I am. The rookie's cutting into their nap. Yeah, I'm cutting into their nap. And I lined up on my left side, and I lined up against uh, their right tackle, and I went right tackle, right guard, center, left guard, tackle. And I was winning. I won all of them. <laughs> Whoa. That's awesome. And I came came back starting all over. I was starting on the second team now. <laughs> and, and the guy had been looking and seeing what was happening. And he jumped me and knocked me right down, and that drill was over. <laughs> and I was glad that was over. But then, Dave, you know, the defensive line coach took me down to another portion of the field and said, we're going to see what kind of shape you're in, see what you've been doing. And I had lied to them that I hadn't been working out. <laughs> oh, yes. And they had these things they call the gases. Yes. Yeah. You know, you'd run sure. across the, the, it was 50 yards across the field. Over and back, over and back was one. And you had to do four of those. And when I was going over and I came back and I was still, I started to breathe pretty good after one. And there was this guy, a little kid over there with his dad. Come on, number one draft choice. <laughs> Come on, number one draft choice. You can do better than that. A kid? Was, yeah, a kid. Probably about eight or nine years old. <laughs> and I was looking at this kid, and I was getting, I was getting winded on my second time around. And I'm thinking, I got to get rid of this boy. <laughs> it took everything within me not to run over that kid. <laughs> Because he was standing right in front of me. And I was getting pissed by the moment. Really, really upset. Coach McGinnis, this is this is one of the one of the so many good. times that so good. somebody has taken good care of me. Because if I if I had done what today done to that kid what I wanted to do, my career never would have started. <laughs> I, 
Boy, boy, boy. See, Amy, I told you that when we got Joe Green on, this is going to be something unlike any other because these are the kind of conversations we used to have all the time. This is so great. I mean, this is this is the this is the true NFL, and people don't even understand. Joe, let's let's fast forward now to when you guys started rolling a little bit, and you were the cornerstone of it. I'll say it. You've never said it. I will say it. You were the cornerstone of that, but you and Mr. Rooney, Art Rooney, had a real close relationship. Yes, sir. Tell me about the the man that they they so reverently called the chief. Tell me about that relationship that you developed, not only with him, but with his entire family that has really lasted until this day. Oh, absolutely. The day I signed, he gave me one of his big cigars. Have a cigar, my boy. <laughs> and I took that, and, and I had it. And I, I still had it uh, until it really just crumbled away not too long ago. Wow. But he was the guy. He knew every player. He knew them by their first name, regardless of whether it was someone that had been there for five or ten years or was a new player. And he would just come through the locker room and just speak to everybody. And he just, he told me one day, he said, you know, Joe, I'd like to see these kids from from California and Florida and Texas, like where you are, come through when that snow hits. I want to <laughs> see how well they like to play football. <laughs> Yeah, man, he was he was special. He, he was, was special. So, so and, special, and and the whole family still reveres you. You're revered in Pittsburgh, and let's just let's just get that out there, Joe. And you and I have talked before, and you said that the thing really started to turn a little bit. I mean, you guys started getting more more and more players in there, but you you said you know, coach, the thing that really started turning us is when we got Franco in there, and all of a sudden, then the offense had the same type of mentality that our defense we were putting together did. And I used to love when. When when Terry Bradshaw or Franco would come visit, you know, would come visit you there in Arizona. Talk a little bit about that relationship. Oh, so special, so special. You know, we were just another team on on the schedule before Franco came. And you know, <laughs> the amazing thing about Franco, you know, the Steelers had a history of bad number one draft choices. You know, prior right. to to, yes. to to me going there, but when Franco came. And team, that's when the offense goes against the defense. And Franco would come up to the line, stop, go to the left, go to the right, stop and look. And we'd look at him and say, what is he doing? What is he doing? And then we'd go back to the huddle. He'd take off and run to the end zone. Said, oh, boy, we got another dud. <laughs> we got another dud. <laughs> and it was his, this was still his rookie year. We played a. Preseason game in Atlanta, and Franco comes in the game. Uh, he wasn't starting. It was probably somewhere around the, in the middle of the second quarter, early third quarter. He did the same thing, go to the left, go to the right, and then he took off. <laughs> and he ran 75 yards to the goal line, and I said, oh, shoot, we got one. <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I thought I beat him to the goal line. <laughs> yeah, you, and, you know, that that was the time when things started to change for Pittsburgh. The history of it is is that four Super Bowls later and one of the most dominant periods ever in the history of the National Football League. But when the, the genesis of the start of that, and you talk about you chasing him to the goal line, take us through, Joe, because you've told me this story before, where you were, what you were doing, when the immaculate reception took place. Take us through there. 
Oh my goodness. That was, uh, do you know that play was voted the number one play in the 100 year history of the National Football League? As well, I it, believe as it. well it should have yeah, been. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was a, it was a tough ball game. We were leading uh, the Raiders six to nothing late in the fourth quarter. Kenny Stabler came in. Did you guys knock the starter out? No, we didn't. He just wasn't, you know, they hadn't scored any points. They brought Kenny in. Okay. This was late in the fourth quarter, and we had a day we had one of those blitzes on. Okay. And the outside rush, it didn't contain. Of course not. And, and, and Kenny stumbled for about 45 yards for a touchdown. Put them ahead seven to six. We get the ball inside of a minute to play in the fourth quarter, and we get down to the to the last play. And I'm on the sideline, and I'm standing next to a uh, defensive back for us, uh, John Rouse. We call him Dirty John. John Rouse. <laughs> and I said, John, John, this, this is such a miraculous season that we had. We had won more than 10 ball games that year, at least 10, I think. And that was something special for Pittsburgh. Right. And I said, it cannot end this way. And that's when I saw Franco. It was fourth and 10 with about 18 seconds or something like that. And Terry scrambled around and, and he was about to get hit, threw the ball away towards uh, Frenchie, I think. Yes, Frenchie Fuqua. And uh, Frenchie, and the ball ricocheted off of Jack Taylor's shoulder, bounced right. It looked like it was coming right in my direction, but it fell short right there when Franco was running down the sideline. And he picked it up and took off running like Franco always does. And I I think I, I tell him all the time I beat him to the end zone. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a, such a miraculous play for us in many, many ways. It changed. That play really set the tempo for us to win four Super Bowls in the next six years. It absolutely did, Joe. And that's why, you know, people that don't really know just think it's just a play in time. But really, that was the jump start to the dynasty. And you, yes, had, you, had, you had been building up to that. And, and you've told me that story so many times. And, of course, you know, I'm like you. I love the history of the National Football League. But that's historical. It really is. <laughs> and, but I love the fact that you, you're a great storyteller, Joe, because you wove the fact that you that you that you beat him into the end zone, and you also yeah. uh, prefaced it by saying you were running across a field and nearly ran over a kid too. And so <laughs> that's even better. Let's talk about another kid. Let's talk about the kid in the Coca Cola commercial. Yes. Tell us how that went around, Joe. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you know we played catch for 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 most of the day, and then when we practiced, you know I have to I had to go through the drinking the Coke. And uh, I'm such a nerd that I swallowed the Coke. <laughs> you know, they had a can there for me to spit the Coke out, to dump it. I said, well, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm, this, I'm supposed to like it. I'm not supposed <laughs> to spit it out. So I drank it and drank it. And then when they said, okay, well, let's tape this thing. Let's roll it. And when we started to shoot and I opened my mouth to say the lines, a big burp came out. <laughs> Durr, <laughs> I said, my goodness, this is, I didn't think I was going to get an opportunity to finish it. <laughs> thought they were going to fire me right away. Oh, no. Tommy uh, was, was a good kid. We gave him a jersey, and we did play catch. And I think at that time, Tommy was probably 10 years old. And uh, I've seen Tommy uh, as a grown man, 41. That's amazing. <laughs> 
Joe, we're talking about an iconic thing for the league. That's an iconic. You talk about number one. That was the number one commercial. Yeah. That, that was that that was iconic. And yeah. It really was. And and you know what something is, and you've told me this before, and and you know we're we're good enough friends, and that you really that really was truly your persona, you know, off the field. Your persona on the field, everybody knows. I mean, you were just a fierce competitor to the end. But that, I mean, and I can say this to all our listeners now, you know, I know Joe Green as well as I know anybody, and, and, it, and, as, and, as, and as big and ferocious as he was on the field, he's got a bigger heart. And I think that's why that commercial touched everybody, and it still does to this day. Yeah. The backstory is of knowing you had to drink about twelve to fifteen cokes before you <laughs> yeah, started doing that, it is the best part of it. <laughs> that is, that is yeah. the best part of it. Amos, it's coaches. It's amazing, man. We we got our butts kicked on Sunday a lot out there in Arizona, but it was there was some fun times. You know? Do you remember one game we were playing? We had this uh, new defensive back that we gotten from Tampa, and he was out there Dexter, saying yes. bad things about. Yes. Our secondary when they were having a hard time. Yes, I do. And they were coming to the sideline telling you and me, this guy is cursing us out, man. <laughs> yeah, Joe. And I said, you know, and and I, during the times when the offense was out there, I talked to him. I said, man, you know, you can't do that. We're all out there together. We, we got to support one another. He said, okay, 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 okay. You know, they, they go back out there, and the next time we had a changeover, the secondary guys come back and tell him, he's still doing it. Coach, he's cussing me out. He's cussing us out. I called him over, and he came. I ain't scared of you, Joe. I ain't scared of you. And took off running. I said, my goodness, what in the world? What's going on here? I didn't do anything to him. I just told him not to do that. <laughs> hey, what, Joe, we, we were trying to get that thing built at the time, and then we were trying to get that stadium built. We went through some things. But, hey. Oh, my goodness. Tell how great the feeling was in that locker room when we beat Dallas in the in the playoff game for the first playoff win that organization had had in 51 years. Oh, my goodness. How was that, Joe? That was great. That was so special, man. We had worked really, really hard during the week to, to get ready for the, for the Cowboys, and we were playing them at their stadium, and uh, we had a fantastic game. Our secondary and uh, our defensive line, and Jake had an outstanding game. Yes, Jake, he did. Jake the Snake had a great had a great game, and we ended up beating those guys. And I, you know, I I was scared to death of those guys because they had a guy over there named Larry Allen. Oh, and I remember talking to my defensive line, telling them that you know you guys can hold up against these guys. And the first play of the game. Larry came off the line and hit our defensive, hit our tackle, and you could hear that crack all over, all over the doggone stadium. Oh, I remember. I said, "Oh my God, they're gonna kill us." <laughs> <laughs> I remember that so well because that is that's a true story. That is, that, I remember that so well. But you know what, Joe? And just for for history's sake, we had that thing shut out until Dion returned that punt. Remember, until yep, they, they, sure they finally put Dion in and they scored one touchdown. That might have been one, right. one of the best game plans you and I and the rest of those defensive coaches ever drew up. 
And yeah. uh, but so t- all the hard times there that that made it all worthwhile, and that's why the yes, whole group we're all still so we're all still so close. Once we got through yeah. there in Arizona, I know that uh, that uh, uh, the Rooney's called you back and said, "Joe, it's time for you to come back home." And so you went back to the Steelers uh, in in the personnel department. And and when you went back to the state of the personnel department, the story I love, and, and and you've told me this before too. You'd always said with your four rings that you wanted one for the thumb. And yeah. then, and then when they won that Super Bowl, someone reporter said, well, "Joe, you finally got one for the thumb," and you said, "No, I've got one for the right hand. This is theirs. These yeah. are, these are mine over here." Yeah. And that to me yeah. just exemplifies what you were all about. You were all about yeah. the people that were in. In the fray were the people that deserved the praise. And, and Joe Green, you, the praise that you've got, I mean, look, the greatest defensive lineman in the history of the league, and with all the accolades that you've had and with everything else that, that has come your way, you, you can't have any more honors than you've had in the National Football League. You are still a, a, a revered figure. But I wanted to have people here listen to you, the true Joe Green, one of the best human beings I've ever been around, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Dave, let me tell you, Coach, I don't know if you know this or not, but about three weeks ago, maybe a month now, I reached my jersey number. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. A week later, I went down to Temple, Temple, Texas, and uh, the superintendent of schools at that right then, he made it available for me to get my high school jersey, number 75, retired. Joe, wow. Joe, of all the, of all the accolades and everything you've ever had in your life, that ranks pretty high, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I I must admit, uh, I was standing out there on the before the game, and they made the presentation, and I uh, I must admit, I got a little teared up. Uh, I, I've 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 been a lot of places, Dave, and gotten been a part of some big events with some outstanding people, and. That was uh, that was special. That was very well, special. And that just tells the man that you are because you've never, never forgotten where you came from. Yeah. Dave, <laughs> I told you that story about me traveling through right next to your hometown. Yeah. Where was that? Snyder, was that Snyder, Texas. Snyder, Texas. Yeah, there you go. Golly. Right? Well, that's close to Midland, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Midland, Odessa. Absolutely it is. When we were in Arizona, I used to come to Texas home to visit my mom. And I had this car that I, for some reason, been stupid. I took off without coming to Texas without getting my my tires changed. And I knew I had to get more, get them changed. But I was didn't want to wait. Didn't want to wait to be serviced. So I came to Texas. This was on the, coming back, my return trip from Dallas to Phoenix, right below Midland. Boom. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, and it, I'm telling you, it was like 106 degrees. And out in the middle of nowhere. Out in the middle of nowhere. Out in the middle of nowhere. And I said, okay, well, you know, I had my daughter, my grand, granddaughter, and my wife. And the trunk was full of clothes, so we had to take everything out of the trunk, put it on top of the car, <laughs> to go in there and get a spare. <laughs> when I went to get the spare, the spare was looked like it had been blown out. <laughs> but we put the thing on there anyway. <laughs> I didn't get four revolutions in this tire 
before it blew out. <laughs> oh, no. And I'm in the meeting there, and I'm saying, what the world am I going to do? And I look across, and I see this service station bar, and it looked like a place out of, you ever see that out of the West? Joe, I grew up out there. I know what those places are like. <laughs> That's where I grew up. It looked like Judge Beans. Yeah, Judge Roy wow. Beans. I, Judge I, Roy yeah. Beans. I grew up out there, Joe. You don't have to explain to me what it looked like. Yeah, I said, oh, my goodness. And, you know, we we pushed it. I rolled it up there and wobbled. And I said, my goodness. I, I walked through the door, and there's this guy sitting there. He had one of these straw hats rolled up, you know, like a big point in the top. And he had the, this checkered shirt, sleeves rolled up, and had his cigarettes in the sleeve. <laughs> so, oh, goodness. I look at the bar, and it was, it was another guy behind the bar. And they all looked, you know, I said, oh, my goodness. I knew this was going to be a tough time. And when I, it was five of them, four at the table in the bar, bartender. And I was about four steps in, and I'm thinking, boy, boy, boy. I knew I was in a bad place. And the guy behind the bar said, Mean Joe <laughs> I said, Oh, shoot, we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> that, that to me. Uh, all my fear went away. <laughs> See, that to me just typifies what Joe Green means, not only to Temple, Texas, but to all of Texas. That's a great Boy, story. Oh, that guy. That is so good. The guy came out, to, out, of, out of the bar and he had a jack on his truck, took it out and put it under my car. We had to drive probably about 10 miles in a different direction to get a new tire. And he, he, he did me real. And, and when I came back, my family was sitting in there at the taking over the table. They were eating and drinking drinking pop. I <laughs> Joe, said, man, this was great. That Joe, was great. Joe, it, it, it West I said, West Texas. West, West Texas. <laughs> but I tell you, it helped that when you walk through the door, you know, just like the sheriff used to in those westerns, you walk through that door, it was a good thing that you were Joe Green. I promise I, you. Hey, <laughs> I just knew it was going to You were in good shape. I just feel like we got to turn around and start running. That's, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Good people out there. Joe, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. This has been fabulous. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as we have. And uh, look, you know that uh, my phone is always open to you. You are the absolute best, my friend. The absolute best. Coach Matt. Coach Matt. Joe Green, you are the best. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Coach Mack, talking to Joe Green is one of the highlights of my life. You know what? Seriously, I mean, I've had a, a, been with a lot of really, really unique people in, in my, you know, 35 years in the National Football League. But coaching with Joe Green for eight years, you know, he was my defensive line coach uh, when I was a coordinator. And then the four years I was a head coach, he was my defensive line coach. I still remember the day we said it in there when Don Shula called me and said, you know, I've got a guy for you if you want to interview him. And it was it was really unique. I mean, he brought a, a complete – you could hear in there, he's a very unique individual and one of, really one of the premier players ever in the history of the National Football League. I think people identify Joe Green with the National Football League and the Coke commercial that he just went into <laughs> with us. It was such a great <laughs> inside story. But Joe Green is, is, is an icon. There are certain, you know, there are Hall of Famers, which he is, but there are certain Hall of Famers that are iconic. He's iconic. When you think about legendary NFL players, like this is the National Football League, 
Joe Green immediately. The thing that's cool, and I've been to several, you know, Hall of Fame ceremonies, and when all those guys come back, Hall of Famers pay homage to Joe Green. That's when you know it's the real deal. Yes, that's when you know you're big time. And I think I thanked him 284 times for being on the show with us. I was very appreciative. He's a, he's a, he's a great human being. He really is. He's a great human being. Just uh, don't make him mad on the field. No, I don't think I will. But the Titans are heading to the land of Joe Green. They're heading to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers this Sunday. Titans Radio countdown starts at 11 a.m. Central Time. Kickoff with Coach Mack and Mike Keith is at noon. All Titans Radio. Be sure you check it out. You'll probably get some more doozies like Ford over Rooster. It's all organic. There's nothing planned. No scripting. I have no script. I, I have no. I have no script up there. It's all organic, and uh, that's what everybody likes. But you're good for like two or three good ones a game. Well, I don't know what good ones mean. Ford over Rooster is that, a good. one. That's a good one, but that's a real one, and I've got several. I've got a lot more. It just depends on what happens during the ball game. Well, hopefully, there's a lot of good analogies because the Titans are doing good things. I want all good things for the Titans. This is. I'm really looking forward to this football game. This is going to be a. This is going to be a game. This is going to be old school. Hit them in the mouth football, Mac. Makes me so happy. This is what we came for. Yes, it is. For Coach Mac. I'm Titans Amy. Thank you so much for listening to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast.